Shabbat Shalom. Happy Hanukkah. No, Hanukkah is the festival of Jewish survival. By the time of the Maccabees, it was practically over for the Jews. Hardly any of us were left. Judaism was on the verge of disappearing. Hellenistic culture was overwhelming, all-powerful. But this small family, a few committed Hasmoneans, refused to assimilate. They refused to throw in the towels. They insisted on Jewish survival. And in some inexplicable way, for a brief moment in time, these fundamentally flawed Hasmoneans ended up being the vehicle through which Judaism survived. Back in 165 BCE, what were the chances of this rather obscure Hasmonean family to launch a successful revolt against the Greek Empire, Greece, and that we, the descendants of Judah Maccabee, would survive while the descendants of Alexander the Great did not. Were it not for the Hasmoneans, Judaism would have likely ended in the second or first century BCE, like many other civilizations that succumbed to Hellenism and disappeared off the face of the earth. And if Judaism had ended at that time, Christianity would never have been born. No Christmas, no Santa, no 12 nights. See what I mean? That's what I always say. If you scratch the surface, you can find anything Jewish. When our Christian friends gather for socially distanced midnight mass or around the tree, you should know, even if they don't, it's because of us. The meaning of the word Hanukkah is dedicate, to dedicate. Hanukkah is a festival of rededication. During this season, find a way to rededicate yourself to Judaism and to the Jewish people and to Jewish survival. Stream one of our many synagogue offerings online, brought directly into your homes every day, courtesy of the congregation's clergy and teachers. And as you gaze into the lights of the menorah, Feel the hope of the renewal, even in the darkest days, even during this, this most unsettled Hanukkah season that many of us have ever experienced. Feel the hope. The earth will be lit again. Remember, nothing stays the same. Everything changes. Our lives are characterized by constant movement, from hardship to success, from health to sickness and back again. At some point in our lives, we may feel settled, finally. But sooner or later, something will happen to remind us that it's all an illusion, that our world can turn upside down in an instant, in one verse, one skipped heartbeat, one mutation of one cell by one person, one visit by one person to one market halfway around the world who gets infected with one unseen microbe. And what we thought was settled 
is disrupted again. This week's Torah portion is called Vayeshev. It means to be settled. The first word of the Torah portion, Vayeshev, describes Jacob's state of mind. Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eretz Megurei Aviv Be'eretz Knaan. And Jacob settled in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. Our sages noticed a fascinating contrast in the first verse. The Bible states, and Jacob settled, Vayeshev, in the place where his father Isaac had merely sojourned. Megurei, from the word lagur, meaning to reside. There's a sense of settledness in the word Vayeshev that is absent from the word lagur. Lagur means or implies a residential status, not one of ownership. Lagur implies transition, whereas Vayeshev implies permanence. It's the difference between where are you living now and where have you settled. Jacob had just returned from 20 years in exile. He was wealthy, he had a large family, he had made peace with his brother Esau, who he had thought was intent to kill him. Jacob is home and settled. No more moving around, no more uncertainty. He had everything he needed. His extreme exertion, his exhausting decades-long struggle to climb to the top of the mountain was finally over. Now he was settled. He could simply gaze from the peak of the mountain on all that he had done and take in the view from above. Jacob was settled for one verse. The next verse begins with the Joseph saga that will lead Jacob to a life of emotional hardship and ultimately exile from the land of Israel. Joseph, the beloved son of Rachel, will be sold into slavery and Jacob will not see him again until he is an old man. For decades, Joseph, Jacob will think that Joseph is dead and Jacob will end his life in exile. It all changed for Jacob in the blink of an eye. Within one verse, events were set into motion that would lead to a life of unsettledness for the rest of his days. Jewish sages teach a profound lesson from this verse. Just when the righteous seek to dwell in tranquility in this world, the Holy One, blessed be He, says, are they not content with what is stored up for them in the world to come, that they should expect a life of ease in this world as well? In other words, even for the most righteous, even for the patriarch Jacob, this world is unsettled. A life of ease, a life of certainty, a life of tranquility is for the world to come. Not for our world such as it is now. Life in this world is about challenge. No sooner did Jacob heave a heavy sigh of relief and proclaim, now I'm home, now I'm settled, his troubles began. Being settled was an illusion. It lasted but for a brief moment. 
Our lives are not meant to be settled. A new test awaits us at every stage of life. In the world to come, we will be at ease. We pray that our good deeds stored up for us there will allow us to rest in peace. Should we also expect to be tranquil in this world as well? Are there no limits to our desires? A life of ease is not our goal. Our goal is to attend to the responsibilities of life as best we can and to enjoy and find meaning in the path that we chose. Arthur Kessler wrote the following parable. In the beloved Austrian mountains of my school days, it took about five or six hours to climb a 7,000-foot peak. Today, many of those peaks can be reached in a few minutes by cable car or ski lift or even by motor car. Yet, you can still see thousands of schoolboys, middle-aged couples, and elderly men puffing and panting up the steep path groaning under the load of their knapsacks. When they, when they arrive at the alpine summit, streaming with sweat, they shout for their traditional reward, a glass of schnapps and a plate of hot pea soup. And then they look at the view, and there, there is only a man a mountain, and a sky. Kessler concludes, my point is not the virtue of sweat and toil. My point is that although the view is the same, their vision is different from those who arrive by motor car. Amen.